0: whether it's telling a good ghost story or listening to a true crime podcast. We wanted to find out more about this trend, so we're speaking with Seth Gillihan, a clinical professor of psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. Hi, Seth, welcome back to the podcast.
2: Hello, Carrie, good to be here.
0: So we tell ghost stories, and those have been around for centuries at this point. In non-COVID years, people stood in line to get into haunted house attractions just to get scared. Why do humans like to be scared? Is it just a fun adrenaline rush or is there something maybe deeper at play?
2: Well, it's a really interesting question. Interesting to me in part because I am not someone who generally likes to be scared. I'm not either. I still, no, I I, I remember, I think it was in second grade, they showed us these scary movies around Halloween. And I still remember those uh, those. The little movies they showed us, and still find them quite scary. Like and 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 scary movies that I've seen more recently, like what was the one uh, with Naomi Watts, uh, The Ring? Oh my goodness!
0: Oh, I know that's really bad, (laughs) terrifying.
2: And yet, you know, there was a kind of morbid curiosity. Like you know, it's supposed to be one of the best horror movies of all Mm -hmm. time. Like I just wanted to know, like, could I could I watch it and then unwatch it? Obviously not, but. But there is something about so many of us that is drawn to these, uh, to these experiences. I mean, that's why there's this huge industry that produces right. these things. And so you mentioned an adrenaline rush that may be part of it. I mean, the, the, the intense emotional rush that we can get from fear doesn't necessarily feel that difference at, at a certain physiological level than the excitement from uh, something less, that's not terrifying, but maybe just uh, exhilarating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, probably a similar reason why people bungee jump and ride roller coasters, because there is something enjoyable about danger within a relatively safe container.
0: Right. Experiencing that level of fear and thrill while still kind of knowing that you're, you're really probably going to be okay.
2: Yeah. You know what? It seems like it's, it's people like that heightened sense of being alive while knowing they're still going to be alive.
0: And then not only like those ghost stories and, and scary movies and things like that, but the crime story as a form of entertainment is nothing new. There's Sherlock Holmes and even modern day things like Law and Order. What fascinates us about this type of tale in general? Maybe there's just the satisfaction of figuring out who done it, uh, or is it a way to maybe sort of look death in the eye and, and win? Here is a quick word from our sponsor.
1: We take this few seconds off to inform you our valued loyal listener about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Enjoy the show.
2: Well, I think there is indef- definitely a, a a pleasure that we get in trying to puzzle through an unsolved case, and especially when the producers feed us clues that help us to to figure it out and and feel smart. I remember reading Dan Brown's book, um, The Da Vinci Code, and you know this kind this kind of international whodunit and you know it was fun to follow the case but also the, the clues just seem so obvious you know sort of like uh, uh pandering to the reader a little bit but that's a bit of an aside but I, I think that's that's one dimension but but yeah there's there's obviously a lot of other things going on i think one one hypothesis could be that you know there's darkness that lives inside all of us and again you know we don't want to act on those things and actually, you know, perpetrate crime and, and certainly not get caught and, and go to prison. But, you know, maybe it's fun to sort of explore that world again from a safe distance to see, uh, I mean, on the one hand, there is the sort of, you know, facing it from the outside and, and maybe there's some kind of uh, a feeling of courage in doing that. But, but, you know, maybe also it's part of our shadow part of wanting to get in touch with the the darker parts of ourselves.
0: That makes sense. It's something that most people probably won't be involved in any sort of crime situation like that. So it's a way to sort of get a look at that in a safe manner, I suppose.
2: Yeah. And we've probably all had these impulses like, oh, I'm so mad I could just kill someone. And the vast majority of us, thankfully, wouldn't and don't. But, you know, maybe there's some enjoyment in in seeing those things, you know, acted out by someone else. Right. You know, I I should also, this reminds me, we also enjoy not only being, you know, frightened ourselves in certain ways, but also in in scaring other people and thinking back to, I mean, I was a pretty mild mannered, you know, 10 year old or so, pretty much just a smaller version of myself less bald. <laughs> I remember, I mean, you know, I wasn't, I didn't tend to terrorize my parents, but there was this one Sunday we came home from church. I got home before my mom did and I hid in the coat closet. And when she opened the door to put her coat away, I jumped out and screamed at her. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and it was, it was so satisfying. But I mean, what, like, why? Why? Would... <laughs> <laughs> why like would you do something her.
0: like why would you do something like that to your mother
2: <laughs> right yes who you know I love and but it was so it's like oh I'm gonna get her it's gonna be great <laughs> or, or you know my I think my brother hid in my room one time and and uh, at night and put his hand on the light switch so that when I I came you know to, to the door and, and reached around to turn on the light I felt this warm you know hand <laughs> on the light switch and,
0: Oh, man, that would scare me even today. So <laughs> I got to say, oh, gosh. Yeah, there is some sort of like, yeah, that kind of thrill, like, if, I don't know if you'll think it's funny, or you'll just kind of be, you know, triumphant that you were able to pull something off. But
2: Yeah, it's a little bit like an April Fool's joke, which is a different kind of fear. But, but I mean, I, I don't think other people tend to agree with me on this. But I find that a good April Fool's joke is a very generous gift to give someone because they're just going along, minding their own business, having like probably a humdrum day. And then they get this terrible news, like they're being audited or, you know, the, the dishwasher has flooded the basement or their their husband and, and daughter have a stomach bug, just, you know, random examples. and And then they find out it's not true. And life is just amazing, just their ordinary life. It's no different than it was before, but this thing they thought What's happening isn't. I, I just, yeah, I've, I've stopped doing it as much because people complain, but I think they're really missing out.
0: <laughs> there seems to be a history here that we probably need to talk about on a later podcast. I'd like to hear all well, your, your ideas for April Fool's jokes.
2: <laughs> yeah, and they, they just got better and better, I think.
0: <laughs> well, and you're gifting that person with the rush of relief when they find out that it's not true, so.
2: <laughs> exactly, and they keep remembering, oh, thank goodness, nobody has a stomach bug. <laughs> You're welcome.
0: You're welcome. Keep that in mind. (laughs) Well, let's pivot to, to true crime. Again, this is nothing new. Every school kid knows who Lizzie Borden and Jack the Ripper are. But over the past few years, it seems like there's been really this explosion of true crime, you know, books, shows, documentaries, and podcasts. And fictional crime is one thing. But bad things happening to real people—that's something else. Um, what do you make of this trend, this fascination with these true crime stories?
2: Yeah, it is—it is fascinating, and and definitely nothing new. You know, I think back to the—I mean, probably in the '80s, my friends would watch these these death movies, Faces of Death or something that would show supposedly actual people uh you know in accidents or things or they were killed right there is this weird sort of i mean i, I say weird it's only weird cuz a bit a bit puzzling uh this fascination with the kind of voyeuristic um draw to to witness these kinds of things And it seems like to to some extent the more horrifying the the stronger the reaction you know when people well, there are expressions like, you know, it's like a train wreck. I couldn't look away. Mm-hmm. And, and why? why? And we're like, yeah, yeah, like a train wreck. Yeah, definitely. Why can't we look away from train wrecks or, mm-hmm. you know, when someone gets pulled over on the side of the road, you, know, you hear on the, on the traffic reports all the time, we've got a Gaper delay on 476 <laughs> and you know, you're, you're driving on the highway and you're like, Oh man, like what is all this traffic? And then finally you see a cop pulled someone over. Like there's really nothing to see but people slow down just to, you know, to take in what's happened or if there's an accident for sure, you know, even on the other side of the road, people slow down. They want to see like, what's the what's the bad news? I mean, I, I guess a positive interpretation and, you know, I don't think we know the ultimate answer, but a a positive spin could be that, you know, we, we want to help. And we want to know, you know, what's the, the even if we don't have the, um, even if we don't have the conscious awareness, I want to be helpful here, maybe there's something programmed into us that if there is the possibility of harm having come to humans that we need to attend to it and you know with the the possibility of being helpful or maybe if there's if there is some kind of danger involved we need to know what it is that we so that we can avoid that danger ourselves and the same with fights you know think back to junior high and high school and there are these fist fights all someone had to do is yell fight and you know hundreds (laughs) of students would come and and you know, crowd around to see the you know, two people tearing each other apart.
0: Here is a quick word from our sponsor.
1: We take this few seconds off to inform you our valued loyal listener about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems Probably
0: and, one of the oldest forms of entertainment.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, truly. I mean, you know, going back to, I guess, the Colosseum. you know, where people would see you know, Christians torn apart by lions, I think mm-hmm. is the part of that history. Kind of amazing uh, that there is this, this kind of public, uh, this, this drive to, to witness these awful things.
0: I wonder if there's a a taboo element to true crime that also appeals to some people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that must be a part of it too. Yeah. I mean, this is stuff that obviously, as we said earlier, we don't, we don't do and we don't talk about that much, but there, but there's a kind of, there's a, I mean, there, there's a shock factor and, and even that shock can be a, a kind of, there can be a, a sort of enjoyment in that. Like, Oh, I can't, I can't believe what they did. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost know,
0: like a fascination sort of to understand what is driving someone to do that. Uh, Cause that's not something a lot of people would ever be able to, to identify with, you know, sort of being inside the mind of the criminal.
2: Yeah. 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 No, that's a, that's a great point, Carrie. I think there is a lot of, of, I mean, we're, we're all kind of amateur psychologists and, you know, wanting to understand this thing called human nature. And and again, probably in part wanting to understand ourselves and what, what we might be capable of. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, everyone might ask themselves at some point, wow, could I do that? Like, I've been super angry before, I right? I've felt like I was fired unjustly. Could I you know, turn into... To that kind of monster, and you see this in really pronounced form in some types of obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD, where a person worries, like, what What if I you know snap and hurt my family, or I act impulsively and and stab someone, and and those uh, for for uh, for individuals with that condition, a kind of harm related OCD. Stories about you know awful things that people have done can can be quite terrifying because there's always the the sense of you know how am I similar to this person? Like, oh, uh, a father of two who had no history of violence, you know, was uh, re- recently uh, you know allegedly killed his wife and family, and mm-hmm. and person thinks, wow, well, I, I have no history of violence, and I have, uh, you know, I'm I'm married now, two kids, could I do that?
0: Mm-hmm. So maybe there is
2: that. That kind of implicit question about ourselves.
0: Yeah, like kind of almost checking on your (laughs) how mentally, you know, stable or unstable you might be. Like, is that possible? Could I really go through with something like that? That's interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let me, yeah, let me, let me check myself. Am I safe here? Or am Mm -hmm. I a threat to someone?
0: That's so interesting. Do you think this is? and a healthy or an unhealthy interest, or maybe does it just depend on the person and their level of fascination?
2: Well, I mean, for the most part, some of of the people I know seem the most psychologically healthy and well-adjusted seem to have the most fascination for these kinds of things way beyond my own. So, I don't think it's necessarily healthy or unhealthy. I guess I would just, you know, wonder if it's, as long as it's serving the person, I don't see a, a, a harm in it. I mean, obviously if it goes to pathological levels where someone is um, participating in things that are, that um, are actually contributing to harming other people, then that's clearly uh, wrong and, and immoral and, uh, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's something we shouldn't do. Not not but, good. Yes, <laughs> and not not good. Yes, in case <laughs> in case anything it doesn't go without saying. But um, but it, I, I think it, it's easy to judge other people's interests and say you know that's that's wrong that's pathological or you know, people say like you know it's a, a morbid fascination and and it may be morbid in in one sense uh, that it involves. uh, sickness and death, but, um, but you know, maybe it's, maybe it's serving some, some helpful function, just like, you know, dressing up in, in scary costumes and going around, uh, you know, getting, getting candy. I mean, that's kind of a weird thing to do, but it seems (laughs) to also have a, a function.
0: (laughs) jumping out of the closet and scaring your mother to death, you know, things like that. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, it's a great trick if any 10-year-olds are listening.
0: (laughs) Keep that one in mind. Um, So if you find yourself, you know, watching Dexter for the 10th time, and you're concerned about your sanity on some level, will any positive change in viewing or listening material help? You know, should you try to go 180 degrees and watch, you know, the puppy bowl all day online?
2: Well, I think I think watching Puppy Bowl nonstop. I think that's good for anyone that's all the time. So, <laughs> but you know, seriously, I I would I would be careful about doing that kind of neutralizing behavior. I mean, if if someone you know feels like they need a kind of of palate cleanser and you know, they want to want to watch some Hearts and Rainbows you know, rom com or something afterwards, I can I can understand that. But there is a—I mean, certainly for people with OCD, the the core problem is trying to neutralize those behaviors, trying to make sure that they're safe. Most of us don't fall into that category, but but I don't think it's something we should necessarily worry about. That I need to balance you know things out entirely. Um, I would, you know, again, assuming that it's not causing someone actual problems in their life, I would just kind of let their interests. Guide them and let things be what they are.
1: This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.